The average person spends roughly 10,000 days of their adult life working. So this is 10,000 Days, a podcast exploring career journeys and the ways that we can apply that time to make a positive impact in the world. The goal of this podcast is to offer you tools, strategies, and inspiration to reflect on your own career. We have an amazing lineup of guests joining us this season that will help you navigate your journey, design the career that you want, and find the courage to make it happen. Welcome everyone to the 10,000 Days podcast, and thank you again for joining us. I'm Ian Brody here with my co-host, Greg Ogiba. And for our fourth episode, we have a great guest today talking to us about how companies have evolved over recent years and how you can thrive within these organizations. Her name is Nova Nicole. She is a leadership development facilitator who brings so much insight and inspiration to the show. Ian, I completely agree. Her energy and enthusiasm jumps through the speakers. She starts off by telling us about her own career path, which started in the music industry, and how by combining her skill set with her passions led her to find purpose. Today, she works with leaders and professionals focused on how to lead organizations into the future, which is especially timely given the massive disruption that COVID has caused in our lives and, and in our careers over the last couple of years. Yeah, the, the last couple of years, we've really seen an accelerated shift where employees are expecting more from their managers and their employers. And Nova talks about how companies must understand what employees want and, and what they need to thrive, which ultimately leads to building a stronger and more successful company. So I'm curious, Greg, from the interview, what really stood out to you? What was the highlight for you? For me, I really appreciate and respect that Nova practices what she preaches. She's a champion for progress and not just in the workplace, but in the community. You can tell she really loves what she does. And, and this, is, uh, this is awesome to see. What about you, Ian? What, what stood out in this interview? The overall messages around empowerment, right? Uh, from a diversity and inclusion perspective, from a mental health and wellness perspective, from an assertiveness perspective, you know, and, and that em empowerment is so important now with the shifts in the workplace and how we define what the workplace is. And Nova has some really interesting insights on this as well as Shopify, where, where she works, was one that publicly made a change to fully remote. Right. That was uh, headline news for a while. Mm -hmm. And she gives us her opinion on, on the, the future of the workplace, remote work, and, and how that will vary by industry. And overall, throughout the interview, she gives great advice on how to develop and to realize your full potential. And it's practical advice on things that, that do make a difference in career development, like, like mindfulness and self-reflection, finding your purpose, finding a role model, and, and so on. Yeah, this one was such a great interview. And again, especially for anyone navigating change or beginning their journey in the corporate world, Nova is someone that you'll, you'll really want to listen to. So we hope you enjoy our conversation with Nova Nicole. Welcome to the 10,000 Days podcast, Nova Nicole. Hi there. So Greg and I talked about your background a little bit in the intro, but to kick off, how do you define your 10,000 day journey thus far? Uh, seamless in hindsight. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all, it all makes sense looking back, but um, 
I learned long ago is that when you can find your skill set and your passion, you find your purpose at the top of that triangle. So I started in the music business with my passion being music. My skill set, because I worked in the music business, became mental health. <laughs> and um, my purpose is creating the spaces um, and re just removing the barriers to dialogue because it's just, it's just life stuff, right? So mm -hmm. it's just creating opportunities for dialogue, but really amongst leaders. So how do we influence the influencer? And that's what I do. Nova, how did you get into the music business and what, what was it like working in that industry? Um, oh, it's, it's such a tale. So I guess like how, how I started is really like why I started. So I'm mixed race and I found you know, mixed race, like the dad's black, eighth generation, black Canadian, mom's Ukrainian and Scottish. And I always knew I was different. Like that's the thing of being mixed is you don't even look like your own parents and being at the family table, you look different from anyone else. So instead of finding like all the reasons why I was different from others, I really sought out what are the common denominators and music was it for everybody. And so I just gravitated towards like classic rock and I love classic hip hop. And I would be the person like reading the liner notes. I had over a collection of over a thousand magazines I really just poured myself into, yes, the music, but the music business. How did it work? Who did it what and why? And how does someone go from here to there? Like, what's the process? And um, as soon as I could, I left my small town like two weeks after graduation. And I started interning at Canada's first urban radio station, which at the time was Flow 93.5. And um, I just learned everything from there. So I started working in commercial radio and then major labels, and then working with artists and artist management, went to Los Angeles and just kind of continued from there. So it was really just about the passion, but it was a passion for connection. That's really how I started. That's really, really cool. So a really interesting journey early on in your career. And more recently, you've had the pleasure of working with leaders in many modern organizations, you know, big and small, and very forward-thinking companies like Shopify. And, and with those modern organizations, how have you seen a shift with regards to how they value and treat employees? You know, 10 years ago, once, once I'd left, well, over that now, but once I left the music business, I just really just started listening. I started listening to leaders in the public and the private sector. And like way back then, like mental health, well-being, self-care, it was all still really considered like cuckoo. Uh, soft skills and, and even a perk. And some of those offerings that they were siloed away under like the HR umbrella. They were hard to find, they were stigmatized and therefore they were wildly underutilized to the underutilized to the tune of about $15 billion in uh, lost productivity for Canadian businesses every year. So, and, and that's when you consider like, you know, absenteeism, early retirement, stress leave, turnover, and like presenteeism, like when you're at work, but like you're not really there because you mentally and emotionally kind of just checked out. So I would be listening to leaders who wanted to get it right. But like, you know, a foosball table and a salad bar doesn't mean that the well-being of people <laughs> is being prioritized. And so my role then, and this is where I always took my like music marketing brain, um, you got you got to connect 
what it is you're doing to what people care about. So I was there to highlight like what's the bottom line cost of mental health to companies as a whole, and then just engage in a really frank discussion with leadership teams about what supports that they needed, that they, Mm -hmm. that leaders needed together, not just siloed apart, but like, you know, are we speaking the same language? Are we utilizing the same tools? And then giving them that permission to take a kind of top-down approach because that's what builds like trust and accountability is when people know that you're doing what it is you're telling them to do. I'd say in the past five years and very much in the last two since this era of COVID, um, we've really noticed a destigmatized, uh, integrated, a lateral approach to well-being, be it in the physical offices, you know, in the spaces that we're that we're seeing now, uh, be it in the perks and benefit packages that are offered. And just how we speak about it, you know, words like burnout, anxiety, self-care, they're now very common at work, inclusive language pertaining to gender, race, age, it's just become normal, but that's because we said it was important to us. And so the difference, like it was a subtle one that the well-being and the, the value and the values of the employer, that's become the starting point and no longer an afterthought for for organizations. So the higher ups realizes a financial benefit and a moral obligation to taking a real care of their people. Yeah, it's more heart-centered, it's more genuine. And and like you said, I mean, employers have had to really step up their game and and managers have had to really step up their game, you know, expanding on the job market today and and this great resignation or or great contemplation that many people mm-hmm. are calling it is now the best time ever for people to be demanding more from their employers? Yeah, and it goes back to the values. Like, you know, COVID's turned us all upside down and folks just aren't happy to be chosen anymore. Like they're savvy and they're interviewing the employer too. You know, do you treat your people well? Uh, Do I believe in what you're trying to achieve? Can I grow here? Is this worth my time? You know, you're not just going to interview and hoping they like you. I'm interviewing you too, because, and do you align with my values versus me trying to fit and morph into this like professional veil of what I think you want me to be. I think of it a lot like dating, like you just, you know, it's going to take two. And um, I think in COVID, like there's been a real paradigm shift and people have said like, look, I'm willing to do this. I'm not willing to do that. And I know I bring something to the table here. Do you know it and how will you nurture it? Nova, expanding on heart-centered leadership and, and values, this, this might be a silly question, but how do you know which organizations are genuine about the values they promote? In other words, how can a potential employee tell whether or not a company is serious about progress uh, versus simply changing their LinkedIn logo uh, for a week representing some social issue? Well, and it's such a great question, and I'm glad people are asking because it is a determining factor what is important to people now. And it's one, like, it's a simple word, and that's alignment. Again, it's just relationships, employee relationships, you know, romantic relationships. Like, you can feel when someone's faking it. Like, you can feel when someone's just putting on the act and courting you, trying to impress you. So that external care or um, concern for whatever issue of the day is happening like that can absolutely be performative, boxes checked. 
but we are savvy now and we can hear who has done their homework by the language that they're used, that's being used by assumptions that are being made and the internal culture. So a question that I would say is like, that's all nice that you, you know, uh, support Black Lives Matter and you bought basketball courts in this corner of the city. What internal systems are in place mm-hmm. that show me, show me, don't tell me, show me, that show me you support the cause of the moment, whatever that is. What's the internal system for you to open the funnel through your sponsoring, your mentorship, that you're widening the opportunities? Show me what you've done. Don't just tell me. And that's a difficult question. So uh, make sure that you're aligned with your values. Be prepared to ask those pointed questions or push back an idea based on data whenever possible. When you've done your homework and you've studied for the test, like you know what a good answer is and you know what bullshit is. So all the more reason, like when it comes to these like social justice causes, if it's the environment, race relations, et cetera, like you can't expect folks to be a good ally if you aren't one yourself. So do your homework, stand in your values and convictions and make those your non-negotiables and you'll know who's about it and, and who's just kind of there for show. And so we've, we've talked a lot about being genuine, mental health support. Maybe if we can expand a bit more, how are the most successful companies and managers creating an environment that gets the most out of their staff beyond those mm-hmm. elements um, is there anything else that, that comes to mind? Um, and, and what should people be expecting from their employers or their managers if they aren't already? I can only think of things one way. Like I come from hip hop, okay? And it doesn't get realer than that. And like a concept is just like show and prove. Show me, don't just talk it. And so I know that you're here to make an environment for a company I know that because you're not just blabbing all about it. You're listening to me. So start by listening. Listen to what is important to me, what my values are, what I'm willing to do, what I need to do to show up to do my best work. A great organization is going to be listening for that. Um, They're going to be checking in regularly, just doing a regular health check, if that's quarterly, um, as an individual, as their team as the entire organization of what's working, what isn't, what can stay, what can we get rid of? And also to really diversify the workforce to just avoid that monolith of thinking. You know, that uh, the term is um, a homophily. And I see this a lot in the tech sector is that, you know, we started as a small group. And so we hired by referral and we hire in folks who live and look and experience life like I do. And while now that we've gone fully remote, and when people are around the world, as we're listening, just in our daily banter, there may be Western pop culture references that not everybody gets. Not everybody gets Friends. Not everybody gets mm-hmm. Seinfeld. Like, and there's nothing worse to be feeling like you're left out of the joke. Like, did you con- consider that? Are you listening when you're ha- when you're bringing in someone new? So. Again, it's, it's, it's listening, diversifying, and then just checking in like again and again. I really feel that those are the keys to cultivate um, conditions that people can feel safe and invest in. And that's where they're going to grow. Mm-hmm. And be Nova. productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, again, especially if you're um, separated digitally, like there comes that thinking of like out of sight, out of mind. That's a real problem 
when you're trying to lead from the top and, you know, if you're working from home and, and your home looks one way and someone else is in a 500 square foot condo, the capacity, expectations, the demand, like daily life, daily pressures, they're going to be very different. But if you're treating everyone as a spreadsheet and headcount, like that's not, that's not helpful. If, and I'm not saying that, you know, every employer needs to be up on the times as to what's happening with every incident in the world. Of course not. But if it's headline news on CNN for a week and you haven't said a word to the company, to the team or to the person, you know, might be carrying a different emotional tax into work that day. Don't think that that goes unnoticed. Like you are being employers, like employers are being evaluated and graded just as their employees are. And that's different. That is different. And that's something to be aware of. So you, you mentioned the being fully remote. You, 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 we talked about productivity here right now. It's, it's December, 2021. We're not quite out of the woods yet with this COVID situation. Not so even, well, I think we're in a swamp. We're in swamp, we're land in swamp. now. Like we left the woods, <laughs> the woods were on fire. Now I'm in the swamp. I don't, I don't know what's after. Okay, so, <laughs> There's a so, light at the end of the tunnel and I'm afraid it's a train. So uh, <laughs> I'm I not sure what's right. coming. <laughs> the million dollar question. What is, what is work from home? I know this has been discussed in nauseam. There's not really a consensus, but we're starting. Some people are starting to go back to the office. Do you think going forward, it's going to be a hybrid? And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say because it, Shopify built these beautiful modern state-of-the-art offices. Yeah, one in, in Ottawa where Ian is. I'm here in Toronto. She, Yeah, you can't see it now on the screen, but but Nova is, is crying on the I'm screen weeping. here. I'm weeping, weeping openly. <laughs> so what's it going to be? Because Shopify announced uh, that it's they're going to be fully remote indefinitely. So what do you think the future looks like? I really feel that like, you know, it'll, it'll vary based on industry. It'll vary based on the needs and like the scope of leadership, you know, for some professions, uh, Shopify and beyond, like being at home, locking in, doing that work, that's the most productive and effective. And then for others, I think like HR comes to mind first, like where there is that, you know, there's that in human interaction, human connection. And it's really just to gather the context. Um, like sometimes you just need to be sitting across the table and that's the most effective use of the time. So I really think that'll be, it'll be varied, but we're not, we're not in it or out of it yet. Like we're still figuring that out. And so I think what, what can be the most helpful is just giving folks the latitude and just the autonomy to just do their best work now. You know, when Shopify went fully remote, this was very, very public. Uh, you know, Toby, our CEO had said, you know, you've got like some core hours in your day, like give, give those to us and whatever that happens, it can happen before school or after drop off, like, but just, you know, you block out the time for you to do your best work. And this is kind of ebbing and flowing. Uh, what happens, how people can work and do their best in the summer looks very different in winter um, when it's dark at four o'clock. So mm -hmm. I still think like the, the model is changing. I think hybrid works for some folks, depending on the profession, perhaps you need to be back in there all the time. But again, I think it's like really a, like a paradigm shift as to what people need on that individual basis. And hopefully they'll have some options to explore work-wise. And for, for myself, Shopify has been incredible for that. It's interesting because companies are now starting to you know, state their, their model, at least what it's going to be for the next, for the foreseeable future. 
And the individual can decide, okay, how do they, what environment, is it a hybrid, is it work from home, is it work for, whatever it is, what, what works best for them. And I think that's important as they, as they look to decide where they go next or what's, what sort of company they work for. Well, everyone's home is different too, right? You and I could have the same job, but if I'm in a tiny condo and I got that, so be closer to the office because my meals are there, et cetera, et cetera, we have a different need. Then if I'm in suburbia and I have a, a you know room with a door that closes, that we we have we have very different needs. And it's in the life stage as well. You know, some folks have really enjoyed being close to their children, being able to be involved and engaged in a different way. Uh, and some I see younger folks, you know, maybe in their earlier parts of their career, were hoping that their social communities or romantic partnerships like that would be happening and generating at work. So again, I, as much as it changes. I think we're seeing this great resignations because whatever the model that's made by the organization, it's going to be up to the individual as to what works for them now. And, and I think that that's a good thing because then you'll have the right people where they need to be. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, this, this podcast is all about equipping our listeners with tools and strategies and perspectives to navigate change. And, and this, this really fits uh, exactly what this podcast is all about. Um, and, and in past episodes, we've talked already about a shift to entrepreneurship and, and sort of the entrepreneurial side of things. And, and on this episode, we want to talk more about navigating change in that corporate environment, which brings about the topic of intrapreneurship, utilizing concepts and principles of, of entrepreneurship. So things like curiosity and grit and things that we talked about in, in past episodes in that more corporate environment. What are your thoughts on entrepreneurship? It's, it's, it's a staying, you know, entrepreneurship means like I'm staying in the company that I do have like personal and professional goals that I can expand upon in that company. So the thinking is like, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side, the grass is green where you water it. So if I encourage anyone just to take full advantage of your career and make it work for you. And the ways that you can do that, there, there's a few, but I'll, I'll, I'll start with like four. So one, I'd say to really leverage your transferable skills. You know, if it's waitressing, all those odd jobs, like there's a skill set that has pulled through and that are transferable to the role that you have now. So leverage those transferable skills that, bring you to the role, not just the role and I feel it, but what's your like secret sauce that you're bringing from your entire experience so that you are like indispensable, valued at what it is you do because nobody can do it like you do. So that's the one thing, leverage those transferable skills. Then I'd say like, while you're in that corporate space, you know, expand your network, your partnerships, your mentors, your sponsors, and yes, within you know like-minded companies, but also complementary companies. You know, I was speaking about this with someone the other day, like there's a scope of leadership. So someone who works perhaps in healthcare, so someone's a nurse practitioner and someone who works in HR, like I've worked in the music business and now I'm in mental health, different and yet so similar. So how do you start leveraging and expanding that network? And then I'll say, while you're you know, in that corporate space, Utilize every single cent in your medical benefits, uh, upskilling your education, maxing out your financial contributions, and or like reframe this nine to five employer as an investor. 
in your five to nine side hustle for as long as you want to. So don't think of it like I've got to do this and but I do my passion project on the side. You don't just a simple reframe of, of gratitude of gratitude. This this nine to five invests. They are my investor in my side hustle. And that's a simple way to tweak it. And if you can just take that mindset, then you will feel useful by your employer versus feeling used by them. A, a friend of mine, that's what she said. She had a baking business. She's a holistic nutritionist. And she was looking for a job. And she's like, well, I'm looking for a new investor in my business. And I loved that reframe. It's not like, oh, I've got to slog through and do this job so then I can get to what it is I want to do. Use the one for the other and use it fully. I love that strategic approach and how things are just more flexible nowadays. So, so, I, so we, we were going to ask the question of like, do you have to, you know, how does, how does one find purpose in their core role? But that might not necessarily be the case if you're doing something you like that gives you the flexibility to focus on something of the five to nine. Well, there, you know, and again, I, I, I just can't stress it enough. Like there's something to be said to your values. And, you know, because I'm in this space, I could talk a lot about energy. And so, you know, what am I bringing to the role and, you know, what is being taken out of me by doing this job? So there's your mental, my cognitive load, there's the emotional load, there's the physical load. And which I see as a tax for folks now sitting all day on the screen all day, the lack of the commute, like that adds up, that adds up over 10, 12, 20 months, that, that's starting to be a strain, but it's the purpose energy. Am I doing what I'm uniquely called to do in this role? So whatever the core role is, there's many times there's social committees and employee resource groups and then um, diversity inclusion teams and volunteer. There's many opportunities that you can volunteer and take, take advantage of to, to make it feel like you're having an add-on. And those companies, they need you. That corporate culture needs you. You need it. And in addition to everything else that that like momentum may give you to explore something else. So you might walk into a role for one core position, volunteer for some other roles. Maybe you upskill to go to school to pursue that further. And that could be a complete career change. But if you left and just tried to jump all over and do it all in just in one role, you may not get there. So be gentle, give it time, give it some latitude. But I think what folks need to know now is like, is there a trajectory? Like, is this leading me somewhere? And really being clear on like what you will accept and what you expect out of your role. They have expectations for you, but what are yours of them? So it's a, it's a bit of give and take, like best relationships express reciprocity and where you work is no different. And, and when you can do that, then I'm telling you, like, then nobody can do your job like you. Yeah, no, it, it builds perfectly from our first episode with Dave Merrill, who, who you know, um, where we talked a lot about building your career strategy, building your value proposition. Mm-hmm, um, exactly. And, and it, it comes down to understanding what that is. And remember, value is not just monetary. You know, like value is your yeah. time. Value is your treasure, and that's money. But value is your talent. So you're giving your time. They're giving you money. But how can you use your talents? That's the piece. That's the secret sauce for the value proposition. Yeah, I can do the job. Thank you for the money. But I got a secret thing that I can add here, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like not just 
Like it's like a T shape of um, capabilities. So you've got your core competencies down the middle of the T, but then across here's all the other things, this transferable skills that I can bring from here and there and there, the degree I never used, that wasted summer, that wasn't helpful. I can use those skill sets for something. And, but it's going to take some like reflection and self-awareness for you to really advocate for yourself in order to sell it. Like you, you got to be able to sell yourself. Um, and that I think has been the benefit of having a lot of time to think, <laughs> having a lot of time to just sit and think um, what's important to you now. What are you, what are you bringing to the table? But ultimately like, what's all this for and how do I make it count? Again, putting it in that 10,000 day lens, we've, we got 10,000 days to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And not, and not one was wasted. You know, I, I grew up yeah. in uh, my grandfather ran a restaurant. I started working when I was nine, making, I make the best coleslaw <laughs> for a hundred people. I know. And I had, when I had twin girls, I leaned on every waitressing skill <laughs> yep. I've ever had because I know what it is to be overwhelmed and juggling and doing multiple things. And that's when I realized the importance of transferable skills. I know what it is to walk into a room with hundreds of people and see who needs what and feel who needs where and kind of get a read of the room. I learned that as a teenager waitressing, but I use it now when I walk into a hotel ballroom to give a keynote. It's the same skill. It just looks different. So how do I transfer it to where I am now? Mm -hmm. It's all information. It's all good. How do I make this work for me for what it is that I want? And, and do you find that there's a correlation between the more successful uh, leaders or, or colleagues that you work with, a correlation between uh, self-reflection and achieving the sort of career that they want? Because I find that that people sometimes don't even know what their transferable skills are. And, and if you ask people, hey, what's your passion? Or, or A lot of people don't know. Yes. And that's like totally fine. Like, especially if you're young in your career. Um, I'd say like when it comes to those skills, like what's tried and true and something I see a, a lot more. And I'm so glad that these aren't referred to as like soft skills any longer, but power skills and it comes to like that self. And when I say self, like self-care, self-respect, self-awareness, self is in the, like the soul, your essence, your personality, like who you are when everyone's gone and the door is closed. So can you hear yourself think? Do you listen to yourself and in and amongst the chatter of the day? So self-awareness and self-management are essential, essential skills now in this great reset where we're prioritizing mental health and, you know, we're, we're, we've had this like shared experience was just, this, this doesn't happen. This is a really rare opportunity. So self-awareness, which is essentially you're, you're hearing more and more about it, like the practice of mindfulness, mm -hmm. you know, are, are you paying attention to your thoughts and feelings, your body sensations, the physical environment, when it's stressed and when it's at ease, like, can you check in with that? And then the self-management is what do I do about it? So if you look up, and you're having the day and like, everything's kind of falling apart. Like, do you have the self-awareness to be like, oh, it's cause I haven't eaten and it's three o'clock. <laughs> like it could just be that. Or maybe I haven't stood in four hours. The self-management is doing something about it. And it's not an instead of, it's an in order to. That's the reframe. So self-awareness and self-management, those are key, key skills we're seeing for like 21st century authentic leadership. I'd say self-advocacy, 
right? Like what are my boundaries um, with my time? What are my expectations? What will I accept? What will I, I will not? We're, we're seeing a lot of that, especially with women in the workplace, racialized people in the workplace. So self-advocacy and then also assertiveness. Like you can, you can push back. You, you can have another thought. You can disagree. You can raise your hand. And that's hard. And it takes practice. But you have to assert yourself or people are going to walk all over you. Mm-hmm. I lived in hip hop. I learned a long time ago, you have to tell people what it is that you want and be clear on that or they're going to tell you whatever it is they think you want to hear. And then I also think another skill that's really key in this time is just solidarity. You know, solidarity means no one's left behind. And so when I'm in the room, I got to think of people who aren't in that room. And that sets me apart from others. Like, is this is this place accessible uh, financially, like physically? Like, can people get in the door here? Uh, is it equitable? You know, who haven't we considered? Who's not in the room right now? And when you can speak up about another group and it's not you, you'll be noticed by that group and by other people because that's mm-hmm. not normal, but mm-hmm. it needs to be. And so it's all of those small intangible things that lets you do your work in only the way that you can do it. And that's what has you stand out. Like those are the skills that gets you noticed. And that you can always be building on. Yeah. Those those are big ones. Those yeah. Are big ones. They are. And there's there's lots to unpack there. I want to go back to assertiveness. It actually reminded me of a conversation I had with my wife this morning. She's been working on a project within her large organization. And her name wasn't listed on the list of acknowledgments in, in the report, but her her boss's name was listed and you know, a few colleagues. And you know, I said, Well, why don't you just ask your manager to make sure that your your name gets listed and that you get the recognition that you deserve. But in a lot of ways, I think that that's my unconscious bias coming in where, you know, I think something like that would be a lot simpler for me to ask as, as a male. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, Nova? So the thing that we want to consider and that we're getting in practice with is about context. And it's not always about like what I can see, it's the unseen. And there's something that's referred to as emotional tax. And that's all of the stuff somebody has to like filter through, sift through and consider before they even begin their job. So for example, as a woman at work or think of an immigrant woman of color at work, right? You know, my, my accent, my name, my hair, how I dress, the food I bring for lunch, all of these considerations that have to be considered just so that I can fit in, be taken seriously, seem professional, which is, a, so it's a word in and amongst itself that has problems for folks, right? So you have to know that in our society, your spouse has been conditioned in order to survive, to be away and to not be away. And what I hear so often, uh, especially from uh, you know women that I work with, it's, well, I don't want them to think that dot, dot, dot. I don't want them to think, I don't want it to seem like I don't want. And so my guidance there is to just flip that. So when you notice yourself say, well, I don't want them to think, flip it. What do you want them to know? I don't want them to think that I'm a bitch and I'm not grateful for working on the project. I do want them to know that I worked hard on this project and I'm expecting to be recognized for my efforts. What are you going to do? Don't tell me, show me. So 
that's that's the practice that we have to have as as women, as racialized people, as whoever, because you know, societies condition us to be and kind of go along to get along to make people comfortable for all kinds of reasons. But part of that assertiveness is I know my value, I know what I bring to the table here, and I'm gonna advocate for myself because when I don't, it adds resentment, apathy. Well, why does it even matter? It's obligatory. And that just wears down on your purpose energy. And when that purpose energy goes, the mental energy goes, the emotional energy goes, the, the sick days come. And it's just, it's the first domino that starts taking you down. So it's always these Jedi mind tricks. And just notice those thoughts, like notice the thoughts and feelings. Oh, I don't want them to think and just flip it. What's on the other side of that and be led by the desired outcome of what you want versus taking action on a hypothetical or what you're afraid of happening. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard. And it's practice. It's something I tell my university students, especially when you're pursuing entrepreneurship and you're trying to network and and socialize and and rise in the ladder. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. And you've got to remember what do do they know you for? And they're going to know you for whatever it is you tell them and whatever it is you show them. So be memorable, be impactful, be useful, but you have to be yourself. Great so advice. That, that's practice. That's why yeah. she has to practice. And I want to hear how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so before we let you go, Nova, for someone that is considering a change, you know, within their current organization or looking outside, again, this great contemplation that we're in, what are some practical steps that you would recommend uh, for, for people to take? You know, I'd say... Find someone who is where you want to be. And if it's not in your organization, find one in competition or in tandem, scour LinkedIn, find someone with the job description that it is that you want. So first, know where it is that you want to be and what's possible in 6, 12, 18 months. Again, based on your capacity and based on the values that you have now. It's not fair to yourself to say, I want to be VP in six months, but you're suffering from burnout. Like capacity is everything because if this is a goal you want to set, you're going to make sure that you can attain it. So be realistic on what's possible for yourself and then start, you know, really looking at like who is where you want to be, how did they get there? uh, And then what can you offer them? You know, time, treasure, and talent, you've got something to offer. So is it in terms of bartering skills? Um, Maybe they're an executive, but they're, social media is like, so maybe you can help them there. Uh, Is it volunteering time? You don't start thinking about what it is you have to offer. How can you serve? And then when it comes to racialized folks, like, you know, marginalized people, women, my LGBTQ family, they don't find a sponsor. You know, a mentor is someone who guides you. A sponsor is someone who's going to speak your name in the rooms that you are not in. So find someone who will vouch for you to open those doors and commit to a long-term relationship. So I I would say that that's a really a great place to start, but it's really just having the time to prioritize some like some thinking time, you know, some intentional solitude, intentional silence and do a SWOT analysis. My strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats personally and professionally. We do OKRs, objectives, key results. What's my objective personally? and professionally. How do I know this is working? What do key metrics of success look like? If, I, if, it's, if it's losing weight, being healthy, quality time, like whatever it matters to you, how do you know it's working? 
and then be gentle with yourself and just give it a time to work on it before you try and set this machine in motion. So I'll often say, just give it a season. Just give it a season. We're approaching the first days of winter. Just keep this in mind, start chipping away at it. Like mm -hmm. keep it in mind, start seeding it, seeding it, seeding it and spring. Okay, I've got the momentum going. You know, motion creates motion. So just get moving just a little bit. And, you know, to stay in this like plant analogy, sometimes when you plant a seed, like it's that time of germination. Like you're planted, it's dark, mm -hmm. like nothing's happening, but that's when everything is happening. So you got to allow that time to just like, for shit just to settle, like for just, yeah. just got to give it some time. So be easy on yourself, measure the expectations, but have a trajectory um, and really start seeking out people who are already where you want to be, because if they can do it, you can do it. Amazing advice. It's uh, it, it builds on so much that we've talked about and really what, what this show is all about. So thank you so much. Nova for joining the 10,000 days podcast. It was great to have you on. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm really hopeful that folks can take some, some nuggets away. Just, just get the wheels turning. We're, we're in wild times, but the opportunity is that things are going to be different now and they have to be because if it went back to the way it was, well then, then shame Oof. on us. So there was a ton of advice in there that we hope you can take away and apply. And we're super grateful for Nova sharing her story and her perspectives on all these different topics. I really do love her enthusiasm for life and her passion for being part of progress, for being a change maker. Uh, and Ian, by the way, what happened with the, the report situation with uh, with your wife, Megan? Oh yeah, so the, the day after uh, we did this interview, I heard from Megan and they did in fact add her name to the report, uh, you know, problem solved and glad that she spoke up and, and, and got the credit that, you know, she deserved. Oh, that's great. That's, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. So next week we'll end the season with professor Barry Cross from Queens university, who will be talking to us about what the future looks like, what skills, traits, and attitudes will be required to thrive in the post COVID world whenever that comes. Yeah. The, the post COVID world is coming soon. Uh, it's a great way to complete this first season, and we're honored to have my former professor, Barry Cross, join us, and we hope you join us too. This has been the 10,000 Days Podcast, and we'll see you soon.